tonight uh, is going to be our last one for a few weeks. Karen and I are able to take a bit of a holiday, and so we're going to go up to Scotland. And unfortunately, uh, we don't have internet access up in Scotland this time. Uh, I say unfortunately because uh, when we found this out, both Karen and I had a sense that maybe God was behind it and that God wanted us to detox a little bit from all the technology and really rest and really seek Him. Uh, and so please pray for us. So the next four Thursdays, we will not have uh, Cole Hop Equip. Uh, Pursuit will still go on on Fridays, uh, led by Kwame. Uh, also, the Sunday services will still go on. Uh, we have some great uh, preaching lined up. Marcos and Gisela Ravello are going to be preaching for us. So the Thursdays are going to be great. Uh, I mean, the Sundays are going to be great. We just won't have Thursday. So our next Thursday service will be on the 27th of August. Uh, and then if that goes well, we're going to probably try to do that here in this room, in the sanctuary again. And if all that goes well, then the week after that, we may open up again the Thursday night house of prayer gathering here in the sanctuary to people uh, to come in person uh, as well as to join from home uh, if you want to do that. So uh, 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 watch for more information. It won't be until September, uh, but we will give you the information that you need around that time. <coughs> Sorry. The button has gotten stuck on my body pack a little bit. Oh, I do too. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to get our live stream started here. So we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, we'll go down to verse 50, down to the end. This is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, and I think it's one of the most important chapters in Scripture for every Christian to know very, very thoroughly. Uh, Paul has been talking about uh, the bodily resurrection and how important it is that not only Jesus has a bodily resurrection, but that we will have a bodily resurrection. But that's not our focus. So we're going to pick up uh, toward the end of that where Paul is talking about how we, like Jesus, are going to be changed when Jesus comes again. Uh, and, uh, and remember, we're, we're looking for the word steadfast as we read through this. But before I read, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true, and I pray now, Father, that you'd open it up to us in the power of your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Paul writes here, and he says, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Hallelujah. Well, the last few weeks, I've been talking about how we remain steadfast in the midst of uh, our present situation. I mean, the world is in the grip of a a global pandemic. Uh, The economy around the world, uh, people are noting that this is the first time in history that the entire global economy is going into recession. Uh, Right now, China is growing, but we really can't trust all the statistics out of China. But it's expected that the whole world will deal with a massive recession, if not depression, uh, in this season. And it's the first time in history that the whole world is going through something like this. Uh, It's the first time in history that the whole world is going through Uh, this kind of pandemic. I mean, you had the Black Death, say, uh, in the Middle Ages in uh, 13, 14, 1500s, uh, and that affected much of the world. It affected all of Europe, but it did not affect the entire world. So we are in a season of very dramatic things going on, uh, of very challenging things going on, Uh, Many of us are facing issues in our own lives. It might be uh, illness with uh, the COVID-19. It it might be the death uh, or illness of loved ones. Uh, It might be the loss of a job, uh, uncertain living circumstances. Uh, So many things are happening to so many of us. And it's very easy in this season to panic. It's very easy in this time to, to take, take our, our, our destiny into our own hands, try to control everything that's going on around us, uh, and, uh, and try to uh, ensure that we have good outcomes. And many people are doing this, even Christians are doing this. They think that if I just do the right thing, if I just say the right thing, then I can take control over my life. I can take control over my situation. I can take control over my circumstances. But the idea that we can control anything in this season except ourselves is a lie. You can't control your job. You can't control your friends. You can't control your loved ones. You can't control the economy. You can't control the government. You can't control whether we're in lockdown or not. There's nothing that we can control except ourselves. And the key in a time like this is to remain steadfast. The challenge for us is, as some have said, to keep our own heads while everybody around us is losing theirs. And that's our challenge. And how do we do that? And frankly, looking at a lot of Christians in the West, they've not done that very well. I see Christians falling away. 
I see church leaders falling away. I see people trying to grab on to the way things used to be. Church leaders who are saying, well, I just wanted things to get back to normal as if somehow we can just roll back the time and everything's going to be back to normal. You know, Christians, individual Christians saying, I I just want my life back as if the way life was will come back. It probably will not. So we must remain steadfast. Because if we don't remain steadfast, we will be swept away by the torrent of change and trouble and challenges that are coming after us. We will get swept away unless we know how to remain steadfast, strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of all the keys to being steadfast that we'll look at, and I'll look at some more probably uh, when I come back uh, from my holiday, but of all the keys for remaining steadfast, I think that today's is probably the most important. Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead. Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead. Because Jesus Christ is alive, because Jesus Christ is alive, we say, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. What Paul is saying here is because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, Jesus has victory over sin. He has victory over death. He has victory over the power of the law. Jesus Christ has victory over everything in his resurrection. The fact that Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead is the most important historical fact that we have as Christians. It is, if you use any ancient uh, tool for measuring uh, historical accuracy from any ancient document, by all measures, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is virtually irrefutable. And our whole life as Christian, as a Christian, is founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says earlier in the passage, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then we are, we're all going to die in our sins, and we are above all people the most foolish, because we're living for a lie. But we know that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, Jesus Christ has victory over sin, death, and hell. Jesus Christ has removed the power of sin, death, and hell. He's removed the sting of sin, death, and hell from our lives. And therefore, Paul could say, thanks be to God, because it's not only Jesus that has the victory. Thanks be to God, because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. God has given us the victory in Christ Jesus. So that means that everything that is coming at you right now, 
you already have victory over that in Jesus Christ. Everything that is coming to you right now through Jesus Christ, you already have victory. So you're struggling with sin. Guess what? You already have victory over that sin. Okay, that might mean you might still struggle a little bit. But ultimately, you have the victory over the sin. Maybe uh, you're dealing with feelings of inferiority. Maybe you think, I'm worthless, I'm nothing. It's a lie because you already have victory over those feelings in Jesus Christ. Maybe you think, oh, I'm going to fail. And guess what? You will fail. I guarantee you. Everybody will fail. You will fail. But you already have victory over that failure. What we're going through right now in the world with the pandemic and with the economy, we already have victory over those circumstances in Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead and we became united with Jesus Christ by grace through faith, in other words, we became saved, we surrendered our lives to Jesus, when that happened, God gave us the victory at that moment in Christ Jesus, not only for what we'd gone through in the past, but everything we're going through in the future. And that is our reality. That is our reality. Now the problem is, we don't always see that reality. The problem is, we don't always perceive that reality. One of my favorite illustrations is an illustration of how they train elephants in the circus. Uh, Elephants are, are attached, are usually tied down with a very, very small chain. In fact, any adult elephant can break through that chain. But the question is, why don't they? It's because when the elephant is a small elephant, the chain is too big for the elephant to break. So the elephant learns that it can't break the chain, so eventually the elephant doesn't even try to break the chain. That's how a lot of these things work in our lives. We struggled and struggled and struggled before Christ, and now that we're in Christ, we don't even realize that we have the victory. We perceive something different than reality. So we have to learn how to perceive the fact that even in our struggles, we have victory because God has given us victory. It's not by us. It's not because you worked hard for it. It's not because you tried hard for it. It is a gift of God's grace that we have victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our reality. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus has victory. Through our union with Christ, we too have victory. So what do we do? And that's where Paul gets into the therefore. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, and it says brothers in the text, but it it means both men and women. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast. 
be steadfast. Because we already have victory, we can be steadfast. I learned a long time ago that as long as I am steadfast, the enemy cannot defeat me. As long as I'm steadfast. Now, not steadfast in my own strength, but steadfast in the strength that God provides on the foundation of the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can be steadfast. So Paul says, therefore, be steadfast. Be immovable. Be immovable. So steadfast means that you will stay strong and keep going. Immovable means that you cannot be pushed backwards. So you resolve, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be oriented toward the future that God has for me. I'm going to be living out of my victory in Jesus Christ. And I am going to be immovable. I won't allow the enemy to move me. Now here's a problem. Most of the time, Christians are very willing to let the enemy move us because the enemy knows how to cause us pain. The enemy knows how to bring difficult circumstances in our lives. And when the difficulties come, we start to think, oh, it's not working. It's a struggle. It's not supposed to be a struggle. Who said it's not supposed to be a struggle? The Bible is clear that living the Christian life is a struggle, that we're going to struggle, that we're going to have difficult times. Those do not invalidate the truth of the word. They validate the truth of the word. So the next time you're going through a really tough time, maybe, maybe you're, you're struggling with feelings of failure. Or, or maybe you're, you're struggling with feelings of inadequacy. The next time you're going through a really tough time, tell yourself, I've got victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. This is exactly what God said I was going to go through. So be steadfast. Be immovable. So steadfast is the orientation forward. Immovable is not allowing yourself to be pushed backwards. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now the reason that we are steadfast and we are immovable is so we can do what God wants us to do. We can do the work of the Lord. And whenever you do good as a Christian, genuine good, you're doing the work of the Lord. And whenever you share your faith, and whenever you pray for people, the work of the Lord is rather broad for us. It encompasses what we do when we go to work. It encompasses what we do as we minister to our families. All of these things come into the work of the Lord. And Paul says here, be steadfast, have that forward orientation, immovable, don't allow yourself to be pushed back, and engage in doing the kinds of things that God wants you to do. And for each of us, it's going to be slightly different. I can't give you a top 10 works of the Lord to do for you, because then that would be bringing you into legalism, and that's not what I'm going to do. But we always abound in the work of the Lord, whatever it is. Whatever it is, we need to do it. No matter how small it seems, no matter how big it seems, No matter if you're you're praying with one person 
or you're praying with a thousand people. It doesn't really matter as long as you are abounding. You're ever increasing. You're wanting to do more and more and more of the work of the Lord. And when you're doing the work of the Lord, here's another problem. A lot of times Christians, they start trying to look for some great work of the Lord to do. Like, okay, I've got to abound in the work of the Lord. That means I need to put on my, my uh, sandwich uh, sign uh, and go out on the street and proclaim the end is near, uh, come to faith in Christ. You know, we think that's the work of the Lord. Well, that could be the work of the Lord. But actually, the work of the Lord that you need to abound in is the work of the Lord that is immediately in front of you. If you're not treating your wife well, you're not abounding in the work of the Lord. If you're not treating your friends well, you're not abounding in the work of the Lord. Do the work of the Lord that is immediately in front of you, the next thing you have to do. And be sure that you abound in the work of the Lord. And you can do the work of the Lord wherever you are. You can do the work of the Lord at work. When you help out a work colleague and help them succeed, doing good to them, you can be doing the work of the Lord for them. So Paul says, always abound in the work of the Lord and... All of this is because of the victory we have in Christ Jesus and remembering, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Whatever work of the Lord that we do, no matter how small it is, it is not meaningless. It has substance. The word vain in the Old Testament, the Old Testament word, and Paul would have had this in mind, uh, literally means like the breath that you have. If you've ever walked outside on a cold day and you breathe out and you see this kind of the steam come out of your mouth, you can see your breath for a moment, that's what the word vain means. And so vain is something that is weightless and evaporates quickly. And Paul says here that whatever work of the Lord you do, no matter how big, or no matter how small, remember that it is not in vain. How can we know that? We know that because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. That's our foundation. So if you have faith in this reality, the reality of the resurrection, then you can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that whatever work you do, you you might be sweeping floors for the Lord. That's not in vain. That's not meaningless. You might be washing dishes. You might be serving up a hot meal to a friend. You might be praying a prayer of healing over the phone. You might be engaging in a Zoom Bible study. Whatever work of the Lord you are doing, abound in it and remember it's not in vain because the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives it substance and gives it meaning and ensures that it is something that God can use for his glory. So we need to be steadfast. And the way to be steadfast is to have faith in the victory we have 
through the bodily resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we adore you, and we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to serve you. We thank you that Jesus Christ has risen bodily from the dead. I pray, Father, that you would continue with us. Help us to remain steadfast on the basis of that great reality. And continue with us tonight as we pray, as we seek your face, as we worship. Guide us in the power of your Holy Spirit in all that we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.